Morning everyone, it is brilliant to be with you again uh, this morning and it's just so exciting in this Advent season and this run up to Christmas and what it means to us as Christ followers. I'm just so excited at what God is going to do and what he wants to share with us and just a short testimony uh, to encourage you that God is at work in our lives in the, in the smallest of ways. So this is probably going back now at least a year ago. Maybe about that amount of time. Anyway, there was just this really friendly person at uh, Pick and Pay. And they helped me carry, uh, sort of doing some shopping, helped me, took it and wanted to push the trolley uh, all the way. And there was just something that caught me uh, with this person. So I, uh, I, I ended up giving them just a, a tip and we got chatting. And the person actually said, no, no, I cannot accept what you're giving to me because uh, I was just doing this out of my heart and, and, and I just wanted to do it out of my heart. So eventually I said, no, you, you must definitely take what I'm giving to you. And on top of that, I said, hey, I would also love to give you um, a Bible that I have. So we then needed to meet a bit later and I said, well, let me just get your number so that we can um, connect further on that. And so got a Bible to this person and then we haven't really had much conversation. Every now and then I've gone to the shops and I've, I've bumped into them, um, but we, we otherwise haven't chatted. So now fast forward um, a number of months to yesterday, I uh, decide this person's on my heart. I must just send a message to see how they are. So I just send a message of encouragement. I just say, hey, uh, just you've been on my heart and I just want to say that I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you. And they were like, well, that's the best birthday present ever. Who would have thought I would have received an encouraging message from you uh, on my birthday? And I just sat there going, yeah, God, we can say that it's coincidence that somehow without talking to someone for a year later and knowing nothing about them, you happen to send a message on their birthday. But I truly believe that was God dropping them into my heart on their birthday, encouraging me to send a message to, to really just bless them. And so I came out of it going, it's the tiniest little thing, sending a WhatsApp message, but what it did for that person and for me and seeing God talk was huge. So wherever you're on the journey on faith, I just want to encourage you to, to just step out for God, to listen for that still small voice, to act when, when you have a nudging and you'll be amazed at what God does in the process. So God's at work in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our city and beyond, and he wants to draw us into his story in the smallest of ways and the biggest of ways. And so be encouraged in that this morning. Now, I wonder if you've ever played Chinese auction before. Often it happens at Christmas as a fun thing and there's various different rules and regulations. And often I play with people and those rules get changed in the middle of it. So it gets very frustrating. But anyway, I, I, I've got this little box to symbolize as if these presents inside here were wrapped up. Now, I was a little bit lazy to wrap them up, but just so you get an idea, it's symbolized. Now, say for instance, uh, but I'll, I'll just look in there without looking, or I'll reach in without looking to get something. So say for instance, I'm starting off in this process. And so I reach in and uh, I sort of look at the different presents or whatever else, and I happen to pull out a nice little packet of Juby Juby sweets. So those are brilliant. I mean, I love those and I'm like, okay, great. I got the present first. Now, Craig number two, second person, happens to reach in as well and they sort of would have done some unwrapping and everything else and they pull out, ah, it's a bottle of water. Now, it's not the worst thing ever. You know, a bottle of water isn't the worst thing, but when it comes to Chinese auction and gifts and things like that, it probably isn't necessarily what you'd go for, but maybe someone would be desperate. So anyway, we have the bottle of water and we have this next to it. So now, what usually happens is, is the person who's chosen then has an opportunity to be able to steal someone else's and you can either do it once or twice or three times. So probably what happens is, is the person gets this and they go right away. Well, to be honest, water versus unbelievable locally made Juby Juby sweets. 
I think I'm gonna do a little bit of a switch. So they trade and they get hold of these sweets and they get the sweets. Now, Craig number three, person number three, reaches in and goes, oh, that feels pretty nice. Whoa, a cap. I'm gonna take a cap. And uh, says in Dapion, by the way, a br brilliant training that I'll share on sometime at church for people off the street. Um, anyway, so goes, oh, this cap is, is amazing. The person with the cap looks around and goes, I think I'm probably pretty happy with, with where I'm at. Pretty happy with the cap. This is probably going to be the ideal one. So there we go. Gets the cap. And uh, they may or may not do a little bit of a trade. But at this point in time, the person who has now had his choice to choose around and, and steal or whatever else is now probably stuck with this, how many times it goes down. And another person pops in and goes, oh, lunch bar. My favorite. I probably would eat this during this talk now, but I'll, I'll leave it for now. And goes, lunch bar, that's pretty nice. They might go, oh, but a cap, lunch bar. They might switch the cap. And this cap person goes, okay, maybe I'm happy with that. And, and the story goes on. Now, why do I share this story about uh, going through uh, the Chinese auction and those sorts of things? Well, the reason why I share it is once we do this whole process, probably the person with the water who lands with it after it getting stolen or having their chance to steal and someone else stealing from them will in all likelihood stay with that for the rest of the Chinese auction. And it becomes a pretty lonely place. And everyone looks in and goes, oh, that bottle of water, well, that's pretty random. I'd rather go with something nicer. And uh, the, the person sitting there can sort of go, oh, it's, it's a little bit awkward. Well, kind of a bit of a waste of the auction, if I'm really honest. As people choose their presence, you sort of look on longingly at what they have and wish somehow that you had their gift and you hadn't drawn out or chosen or been given this bottle of water gift. Well, there were some people many years ago who also received a gift. It was the gift that they didn't expect. It was the gift that they weren't necessarily after, possibly like that bottle of water as well. They may have looked on at other gifts and thought something else could have been more exciting. Others might have even mocked them for their gift. I've been at Chinese auctions where people have looked in and they sort of made fun of the person who's been left with the most rubbish gift. People might have even mocked these people for the gift that they received. But in the end, their gift that many didn't really want proved to actually be the most important gift. It proved to be the gift that actually could provide something lasting, just like a bottle of water that maybe on the outside doesn't seem that appealing. But when it comes to our bodies and living and operating, it's actually the most valuable. It's the most important. It's the most precious. That's what these people found. And so today we're going to talk on the gift that you didn't expect. And each of these people experienced this gift in different ways. And I have no doubt that we can all learn something from them where we are in life today. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Luke 1 verse 26 to 38. We're going to look at a few different passages that have these people in them. And you may know the story. I spoke a little bit about it uh, last week when we, um, when we were going through that. Uh, sorry, the week before rather. Um, but we're going to share on this a little bit more. So this is what it says. Luke 1 verse 26 to 38. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And this we see is prophesied about in the Old Testament. To a virgin, also prophesied about years before, betrothed, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, also prophesied about hundreds of years before. The virgin's name was Mary. 
And he came to her, the angel, and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Seeing an angel face to face would be pretty scary for anyone. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will receive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, the, of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm still a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a, um, a son. Now Elizabeth gave birth to John, John the Baptist, and Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. So John the Baptist and Jesus were second cousins. The angel says, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So into the first person who received a gift they didn't expect, Mary. What would Mary, an engaged teenager, so people got married at a young age uh, in that time, so probably mid-teenage years, Mary, an uh, engaged teenager, what would she have felt after that exchange? Maybe not the gift she was expecting. Yes, possibly amazing. Yes, impossible. Yes, talking to an angel, yes, considering her being a virgin and having this baby starting to grow within her, but not a gift that she was expecting. She probably would have been scared at whether Joseph would believe her. I mean, that's quite a crazy story to share with the person you're engaged to, to say, uh, um, just so, to let you know I'm pregnant and uh, it's supernatural. This didn't happen by any earthly means. That's quite a scary thing to believe. Maybe she would have been fearful at being rejected by society. See, having um, sexual relations outside of wedlock in that day and age, very different to now. Now, unfortunately, it's just completely accepted. In fact, it's the norm. Sometimes it's even encouraged. And in that day and age, marriage was really held highly. And so people would have been looked down on or kicked out of their society circles if they were found to be pregnant and not married. But God graciously gives her enough courage to say, not my way, but yours. You hear her saying at the end, she says, well, Lord, if... If this is the gift you've given me, then not my way, but yours. You're God, and you, if you believe I'm up for the task, I say yes to you. So that's the first person who uh, had a gift they didn't expect. What about Joseph? Let's jump across to Joseph, Mary's fiance. Look at his response in Matthew 1, verse 18 to 24. So I will head across there. You can do the same. Matthew 1, verses 18 to 24. And this is what happens. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before they had sex, she was found to be with child for, uh, from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So this is interesting. It just says it in one verse, but this shows Joseph didn't believe her. So what he was doing is he was saying, well, I am a godly man, and uh, whilst you have obviously got pregnant uh, with someone else and uh, I you know I don't really believe your story about the angel and stuff Mary because I'm honorable I'm, I'm I'm not going to publicly shame you for what you've done but I'm going to divorce you quietly we're not going to get married anymore 
and we are uh, will carry on life that way. So it shows that Joseph was really struggling and he didn't actually believe her story. So he decided this. But as he considered these things, as he was about to act on these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You see, he needed some outside help from God and God does this in our lives. When we're about to make a call, a call that's wrong, we, we often have God who comes in um, and sometimes in a quiet way, sometimes in a glaring way, an angel like this to bring about his plan and his purposes. So he says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save. Sorry, just have a little bit of a bee there, you know, in the way. This is at the Percival home, you know, but we'll, uh, we'll uh, forgive uh, them just this once. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So you see this interesting process. Joseph receives this gift of Jesus as well. But he actually doesn't believe that this gift is really happening, which is why he starts to make his own plan. Then God comes in in a supernatural way and says, no, no, this is what I planned from the beginning of the world and I'm going to get my plan done because I'm sovereign. So he comes in in the process. So this gift is not what he expected or what he would have chosen for himself. But God's always working out his plan. We get to be a part of it. Would have been difficult. There was times where Joseph had to flee. They had to quickly leave. Otherwise, Jesus was going to be killed. Life wouldn't have turned out as they planned. They had to move around to different places, get uprooted from their home and move to, to different uh, places. But this is how the gift worked for Joseph. How do we respond when it looks like our world and our plans are falling apart? As Joseph did, we accept the gift that we didn't expect. We walk in trust. Think of Mary and Joseph as parents and what they had to go through. As I shared just now, they had to flee from danger they lived in different places from what they expected. And sure, Jesus was a perfect child, but he was also different in a sense. Think about it. Think about your child being perfect and being the son of God. At a very young age, he would have been mature. He would have been focused and people took note. He would have been in the temple talking when other children would have been playing. He, he was focused on something entirely different. So he was their son completely. He was, they, were, they were mom and dad to him in an earthly sense, but he had a heavenly father. And it would have been difficult for them to process. Maybe at times they felt they were sort of playing second fiddle, maybe second best to other people and the other missions that he was on. They had to share them lots with others. And then as a parent, they needed to watch their child die. Joseph had probably died at this point. He's not mentioned, but imagine the pain and agony of that. Did they wish at times that maybe they could have traded their gift? Maybe. But deep down, they also would have said that this was the best gift. And so it was difficult for them in the process as well. Let's move on to Jesus' second cousin, John the Baptist. Now him and Jesus, as I said, they were family. So they would have spent loads of time together growing up. They, they would have been in probably similar areas. They would have uh, spent, traveled to see each other on, on family holidays if they were further apart. 
But imagine John's ministry explodes. So yes, he was sort of rejected in some ways and he was a bit of a wild man and he ate locusts and honey, but, but his ministry was exploding. He was baptizing people. He was pointing towards Jesus, but the, he was flocked with people. Everyone was talking about John the Baptist. And Jesus comes on the scene and he sort of melted away from the limelight. He did this in humility, but, and he even pointed and he said, I'm not even unworthy to tie my cousin's sandals. So he understood who Jesus was. But that would have been difficult. Would have been difficult to go from where he was to really just sinking into the background as Jesus came to the forefront. Wouldn't have been an easy road at times. Would have been lonely. And then look what happens to him as cousin a little bit later. I'll read the passage and to set the scene, what's happened is, is that he's been put in prison because he spoke out about someone who became angry with him and he spoke out and he's now placed in prison and he sends some of his followers to Jesus and asks them a question. It says this in Luke 7 verse 18 to 22. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, reported what Jesus was doing and what was happening. And John calling two of his disciples to him sent them to the Lord saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Saying, I'm sure that it's that you're God as well as being my cousin, but are we supposed to look for someone else as well? When the men had come to him, they said, uh, they, they came to Jesus. They said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who's to come or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered John's followers. This is what he says. Go and tell John, my cousin, go and tell my cousin, what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Why would he say that? Well, there's a number of reasons. One of the key ones is, is that he was never going to save John out of prison. Not long after that, John was beheaded, and he was killed for the stand he had made for God, and how he had stepped out for uh, for saying the right things and so he was killed imagine how John felt in the prison knowing that his cousin was doing second cousin was doing astounding works of healing that his cousin could get him out of prison just like that longing to just speak with him longing to share a heart and his cousin sends messages and says you know John I'm, I'm doing these things I am the one but don't be offended I've got a mission, you've done your mission. Don't be offended at me. But it must have been so difficult for John. It must have been really hard. He must have felt rejected at times. He must have gone, well, that's great, Jesus, but are you going to save me from death? Do you love me enough as family to take away my suffering? Will you come and at least talk again? There would have been lots of room for John to feel this way. But I don't believe he would have traded picking up that water bottle the gift that didn't look so incredible. I don't think he would have traded that for the great honor of the life he lived. It was a hard gift, but an eternally rewarding one. And Jesus, in fact, later on said to people, there's no one born of woman like John, my cousin. John might have not have heard him say that, but that's what he believed. Finally, let's take a brief look at the disciples. Jesus' closest friends, they ate together, they laughed together. These guys had left their jobs for Jesus. He said, come follow me. They left their jobs to embrace this wonderful gift. But then things got a bit interesting. 
would have been amazing and hey, he's healing people and he's doing incredible things and we get to be part of this. Maybe this water's not so bad after all. You know, other people aren't necessarily, those guys who have the chocolates and sweets in the cap, they aren't living it out as much as we are. But then Jesus says something really interesting to them. He says in Matthew 16, verses 24, uh, sorry, verses 21 uh, to 28. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. I mean, everything's been amazing so far. He's been doing incredible things. And now he starts to say, guys, I've, I've come on a mission and this is for real. This is happening. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This will never happen to you. Nothing bad's going to happen in your life. This is not the life that's been planned for you. <laughs> Look what Jesus does. He turns to Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan, for you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Was he saying Peter was actually Satan? No, he wasn't saying that. He was saying, you need to realize, Peter, that right now Satan is ruling your mind. I've told you something and what's going to happen and you're off to the easy life and you say this isn't going to be happening to me but I want to tell you it is and I want to tell you that you need to listen to my voice. And then straight after this he told his disciples if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me i.e. you're going to be following me into difficulty and hardship for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he'll repay each person according to what he's done. Truly I say to you, there are st some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, talking about him returning. And the disciples must be, wait a minute, Jesus, are you serious? Is that really what following you looks like? I mean, it has been amazing. We've seen you bring out the miracles and we are up for this. I mean, this is, we've had more fish than we can imagine, more bread than we can imagine. We've seen crazy miracles. That's what life like you is following. Uh, sorry, following you, that's what life's like. And you're now telling us, actually, it's something different. Is that really the kind of gift that we chose? I mean, we thought it was nicer than that bottle of water, to be honest. We thought it was like sweets and chocolates. Now you're telling us that it's, Really not something that many people are going to be after. As time went on, these men realized that their gift was truly worth giving all their lives for. And that's what they did. Eleven out of those uh, disciples gave their lives for this gift that many might have not found very appealing. And so all these people received the gift of Jesus. But at times it could have easily seemed like other gifts were more attractive and fun. But their gift that they didn't expect which brought strange events and life changes, when all was said and done, I don't believe they would have traded it for anything. And so today, as we come into land, what will you do with this unexpected gift of Jesus in your life? What will you do? Maybe right now you feel like Mary, called to be part of something completely out there and different, something supernatural that God brought about. Maybe you feel thrown into a story in the journey of faith that you didn't choose. Maybe people aren't taking you seriously. You've got a vision or a passion or you feel God said something to you like what he was doing with Mary. But no one's taking you seriously. No one's believing you. Maybe there's a huge faith step that God's calling you into. I want to challenge you today if that's you. Trust God. Have the same perspective as Mary. 
when she said, let it be done to me as you've planned, as you choose, embrace that unexpected gift today. If that's you, if you're in Mary's place, embrace the unexpected gift. Maybe you find yourself in Joseph's camp. Events seem to be spiraling out of control. Nothing is making sense to you at all. I want to encourage you that God will bring the courage and confidence you need for each step. And he's so good that just like Joseph, who was about to make the wrong call and he was acting on the wrong call, he is so good that he will always bring about his good purpose in our lives, regardless of the decisions we make or try to make. Joseph was about to make the wrong one, but God stepped in to show a different way. And so I want to encourage you if, you, if that's you, hang on to God, stay the course, trust in him, listen for a still small voice. What about the parent role that Mary and Joseph found themselves in? Experiencing deep loss and pain, but also having front row seats to the greatest rescue mission the world has ever seen. I want you to know that if right now you're experiencing a deep sense of pain, like they experienced seeing what their son went through, I want you to know that God is with you and he will pull you through. He will be your support when it feels like your heart will break. Mark Rose, a great friend of Harvest, he's spoken many times. Uh, Mark and Patty uh, recently um, went through the most difficult thing in losing their son unexpectedly. He said in a recent uh, interview, we've shared it on our page, I so want to encourage you to listen to it. I, I think it's one of the most biblically grounded, honest and heartfelt uh, explanations, understanding of tragedy that I've heard in a long time from someone who's been through it one-on-one uh, -on -one and has grappled with God in the process. But he said there, which was, which was so powerful, he said no one would ever choose the pain that they've experienced, just like Mary and Joseph would never have chosen the pain they experienced in what Jesus went through and in his death. But he said we're seeing now and we'll continue to see that God will bring about his good purposes through the deepest of pain. I want to challenge you if you're in that and you feel you can't go on anymore, hold on. God is with you. He is close to the brokenhearted and he will bring you through. Maybe you could be feeling like John the Baptist right now, alone, forgotten, tossed aside, isolated. I want you to know that God has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. Your life has a purpose. He cares deeply for you. Know that. Know that deep down today. What about the disciples? Jesus was laying out what following him would be like. They were having none of it. And in the strongest ways, he said, this is what life is like with me as your gift. Maybe some of you today are struggling with what it really means to follow Jesus. Maybe you've been told stories of what it's like and that it's easy and it's great and, and everything's amazing. And as you've read this today, you've gone, wow, I've really seen what Jesus promised and said it would be like, that it's about self-denial. It may be hardship at times. It's not smooth sailing. It's not the easy road. It's the narrow road. It's not the wide road. It's laying down your life for his cause. But I want you to know it's so special. It's purposeful. It's joyful. It's contentment all in one. Maybe today you need to count the cost. Maybe you need to count the cost of what this gift really means. Have you set your heart on Christ no matter what comes your way? And finally, I didn't read this, but maybe you're the God at the cross who was only, when he finally saw everything Jesus went through, he said, I believe you're the son of God. And maybe today that's you and you need to turn your life to Christ. You need to actually receive this gift. You need to pull this gift out. There'll be an opportunity for that as well. 
Remember that we have a King of Justice who's with us, a wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace. He's working in our lives for all eternity. He's in control, not 50% or 90%, but 100%. You can rest safe and secure in him, even in the unexpected. And he's invited us into the story. We have different responses we can, um, that we can give to different situations. But my prayer is that we would each respond to Jesus with a yes and to our, I'm keeping this gift. It may look, not look attractive all the time, but this is the gift that brings true life, no matter the cost, to say, this is you, Jesus, and we're ready. And we don't want to trade this gift for anything, no matter what. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, to all those people in the story and in this, the story of Christmas, and many times you were the gift that was not expected. You were the gift that maybe was shunned, looked down upon. Maybe other gifts look greater, look more exciting. And I know each of us will be in different places in the story. We'll feel like different people. We'll be experiencing you right now in this moment in different ways. Maybe we feel like trading up the gift that you've given us. Maybe we feel like there's something better out there. Maybe we're hurting. Maybe we're broken. Maybe we're confused. Father, I want to thank you that right now as we pray, right now, you will meet each person where they're at. Right now, you are the gift. You are the only way to true, fulfilling, lasting life. Not easy life. Not fluffy, amazing life always on the outside, but deep down and for all eternity, real, true life. So I pray that each of us would embrace you as the gift that you are, even in the unexpected circumstances. We would hold on to you as the gift. We would live for you no matter the cost. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited about what God wants to do over these next few weeks in the run-up to Christmas. If you have any questions, if you want anyone to pray with you, get in touch with us um, through the website, through the WhatsApp. Uh, we would love to connect. Um, a reminder about orphans' gifts. Please do drop those off at your different sites or at the office. But otherwise, pray that you have a brilliant Sunday. Uh, remember that God's working and speaking to you every moment of the day. Let's live all out for Him in the week ahead. Pray that you have a brilliant day. Cheers for now.